Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Industry Tactics. My name is Friendly Rich, and on today's episode, the Toronto-based drummer Joe Sorbera. Uh, we recorded this episode earlier in the summer, and so I apologize off the top for the lighthearted mood of the podcast. As just yesterday, um, we we lost the guitarist Ken Allcroft, who passed away suddenly. And I know that Joe is hurting deeply from this tragic loss, as are a number of my close friends and colleagues in the Toronto music scene. Uh, Ken comes up a lot in this podcast. And we, we play, actually, we play some of his music in the episode. So this is my interview with Joe uh, Sorbera, who I'd like to dedicate to the memory of Ken Aldcroft. Here we are in the in the home in you hear that kids at home the beautiful squeaky squeaks <laughs> this is a home that that's been lived in we're here in the home of Joe do you have a middle name James is my middle name Joey James Sorbera <laughs> yeah welcome thank you and I should say the same industry tactics we don't know the episode. We lost count a long time ago. Joe, <laughs> and, and it's very special with you. We're shooting her in 360. You get a good look at Joe's drum kit. If you're podcasting this, make sure you go back to the week before and listen and watch, actually, the 360 video of that. What is that, a Remo kit? Re- no. No, that's a Remo head. We call that a head. <laughs> uh, what, 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 what is that kit there that we're looking at? You you want the you want the gear talk? Well, yeah, just a bit of gear talk to that warm up the a, tactics. That drum set is the is the only drum set I've ever owned. Really, I have a practice kit now that I bought last okay. year, but that I bought in 1995. Yep. And at the time, there was a company in Calgary. I basically went to Long McQuaid here and said I need a cheap drum set, but I want it to be really good. Okay. And the guy said, "There's this company in Calgary who will send me the shells." Yeah. So just the wood. Shells are just the wood at home. The tubs, otherwise known as tubs. And yeah. I'll put and I'll put the the guy at Long McQuaid at the time huh. said I'll put the hardware on it. I'll buy Gretsch hardware, which is my favorite hardware, and I'll put the hardware on it. And so it was relatively cheap. Hardware is all that metal stuff. All the metal stuff. Okay. Wow. Um, so I got this in yeah in 1995. So it's been around for a long time. Oh my God. Um, needless to say, Joe is a mad drummer from Toronto, originally from Guelph. Guelph, and we'll get into that. Let's focus on this kit as our as our as our intro here at Industry Tactics. What would you call that color? Is that a beige, vanilla? What would you call that? What, what do they call that when they're uh, selling it to you at Long McQuaid in nineteen ninety five? Maple. Oh, fucking yeah, <laughs> a white maple kit. And does it sound any better? Uh, what is this twenty? 20 some odd years later, does it sound better with it time? Sound better, probably because I know what to do with it now. Yes. 
Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You I've, you get better with it. Yeah. Sound out of it. I've fumbled around with it over that time. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've changed things out, switched out hardware, bought this, bought that, moved this around. Um, so yeah, I think it sounds better than it ever did. Oh, also because Han Benning um, tuned my snare drum a couple months ago. Oh yeah. And it sounds amazing, and I don't want to touch it. Wow. You know Han? No, I don't know Han. Han is um, this like so this Dutch. Uh, I like them already. Free improv slash jazz drumming uh, god, essentially. Okay. okay. Do you know Misha Mengelberg yeah, or sure. the ICP? So Han is like that. Is like it was Misha and Han who were kind of oh. the ICP. Okay. Of amazing, of amazing, amazing. Um, so yeah, Han was here a few months ago with Eric Boren's band and borrowed. He played in this band just with a snare drum. That's oh, it. Yeah, yeah. And he used my drum and he tu- he tuned it. I went upstairs afterward. I said, how did you make that snare drum sound so good? And he said, I tuned it for you. It sounds good now. <laughs> That's amazing. So you shall never, you shall never, you're just going to, well, you, well it'll go at it too. It'll, okay. it'll change, like the weather will change it and yeah, stuff. But yeah. for now it sounds great. And I'm yeah. Really, yeah. That's really great. That's really great. Great story. <laughs> he he kind of baptized it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The Dutch, eh? They're a very weird musical species, and that, especially notably that that ensemble, the Mengelberg Project. What did you call it? The M- ICP I- Instant Composers Pool. That's good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. If you're listening at home, check that out. Um, okay, Joe, let's mm-hmm. focus here. We're in VR for the first twenty minutes of the podcast, and look, if you might, at home, the way he, the way he, look at his, look his microphone. You would think he's a he's technique. a singer, eh? Look at technique. that technique. <laughs> We're, we're going to dip into all kinds of tactics. Um, um, actually, I don't know where it's going to go on the tactics side of things. Okay. You and I... I we don't know share if I a, have tactics. You do, Joe. <laughs> of course you do. I mean, here's a tactic. Look how good his hair looks. Look how good his hair looks. We're a sweaty day here. We're a sweaty, a sweaty day, day in Toronto in July in Toronto if we're placing this thing. <laughs> and uh, look how fresh you look. So that's a tactic right there. Hard tactics. Because you... I've been I've been upstairs in the air conditioning playing with uh, with Michael Herring and Karen Ng today. That's what I was doing earlier today. You were upstairs in this very home. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a nice thought. That's a nice... two two weapons, two musical weapons. Yeah, absolutely. And what's going on there musically with those two? Um, what are you guys working on? Honestly, my family's been away for this is this is the second week. Oh wow! Okay, that I've been in my house by myself. So it and used I've to be had, a five piece, and now it's down to it's a, down to a one piece oh, for a so couple of weeks. And I've been having people over to play sessions like almost every day. Oh so, shit! Wow. Um. So Karen and Michael were here today. Oh, yeah. very nice. Yeah, very nice. I uh, would have loved to have heard that. That's, that's it's it's great. Yeah, we were playing like Ornette Coleman tunes and Paul Motion tunes and some Michael Herring tunes. It was really great. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And um, and and you you chose the air conditioning, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my kid's bedroom no. has an air conditioner okay. in the window. Okay. When we went so there's another kit up there. Yeah, I bought Damn. my we bought I bought my daughter, Raina, a little drum set a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, and you played that, and I played that. Oh, yeah. amazing! Yeah, yeah. Joe Cerbera, <laughs> it would be nice to it. It would be nice to um to share your playing on that kit with the kids at home, but maybe maybe not maybe not. It's I up mean, to you. Yeah, you know. It, well, let's see where the let's see where it leads us. Because <laughs> okay. I was going to say, the, watching you play, and is uh, is exciting. I'll I'll go back to maybe the first time I ever saw you perform. Yeah. Immediately in love. Can't remember where the hell it was. 
Oh, might have wow. been a pickle juice thing that you used to do. You used to run the pickle juice orchestra, yeah? Mm -hmm. And I saw you go down on that drum and give it a... <laughs> like you gave it a, a Zerbert, I guess? You yeah. farted on the, on the drum and I thought, yeah, that's a good man. This man, <laughs> this man and I probably... Uh, see music the same way in a lot in a lot yeah I, I don't know that huh. that stuck with me i really liked i loved your approach to the to the i just, i loved your playing but i really loved also the um there was a like a humor there or uh you were you were messing around you were messing around with sound you were you were definitely from duck calls to like you were all over it you were really right. i don't know it just wasn't um it wasn't something I'd seen in in the city it, okay. in in music in Interesting. In, in, a, in, a, in a long while. Yeah, and I'm I a can't collector. place when that was. I'm yeah. a collector, so when I started getting into what like extended techniques, okay, and like seeing people do stuff on drum sets or with percussiony things or whatever, just drummers do stuff. Yeah, I would kind of. I collected them all. So some people kind of witness those things and go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But I tended to, to collect them. So all those little sounds and all those little, oh, if you flick this that way or if you, you know, if you, you can fart on your floor, Tom, but then um, whatever, all that stuff. I started to collect those things. And then, okay, if you can do that, what happens if you do it this way? And what happens if you do this? So I made a study of like the weird sounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are what are your top three? <laughs> like just right offhand, now? like just offhand that you've pulled that your your go tos when you're when you're. That well, I got you. really into I got really into um, what it was like to bow metal, right? So I bought a okay. I bought a bass bow, and uh, and started bowing cymbals and metal plates and all that kind of stuff. Cymbals and metal plates, okay, yeah, and mallets, yeah, like bowls and shite, yeah, uh huh. Um, so what can you do with that and, and, and what kind of stuff comes out from that? And then, um, what else? I guess a lot of it is about, a lot of it is about making like long tones, right? You drums, you hit them and mm -hmm. that's it. Oh, your microphone can't maybe deal with my... That was good. That was good. That was good. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? <laughs> that was Joe Smack. So but getting into drums make short sounds, essentially, right? And so if you, you don't have a long tone, and so I think a lot of it comes from looking for long tones. So bowing metal, bowing metal makes a long singing sound. Um, uh, all these things. Um, you know, people will like grab vibrators and throw them on a drum because it just makes a... And that yeah. goes for however long you want. Yeah. So all this stuff to make it to make you know short sounding instruments long is a that's a. Speaking of short growing long, <laughs> have you ever gone to buy a vibrator? Yes. Oh man. And I had to. <laughs> I had to test. I was like, I was so so. I went into this store. I went into a store in uh, in Yorkville. Okay. Walk us through it. And because uh, I because I had seen. Um, I had seen Gino Robert. Yeah. Remember that? Robert. Right. Yeah. I had seen him do this thing, do some stuff with, with uh, a vibrating toothbrush. Oh. Well, that's a and little I was like, hygienic. if that works, yeah. if that works, I bet a proper vibrator is going to be, you know, much better. So I went into the store and, uh, and I said, I need to know what it sounds like. <laughs> and, she, and the woman behind the counter was like, what are you talking about? And so I... And it was kind of my excuse for saying, like, I'm not here for, not you here know, to, it's uh, not about, it's not about yeah, sex. Yeah, come right, on, right, come right, on. right, right, right. Um, 
It's all about sex. And so, and so yeah, I like I like turned the thing on and touched it against the the counter and Amazing. checked out how it sounded and stuff. That and then must I was have been like, such a perverted scene. <laughs> I think it was cool hey? for them to know yeah. that that's what I was using it for, right? Like, mm-hmm. like really, this is this is going to be a musical instrument, and who knows? Maybe I left, and they were like, "Yeah, right." But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's kind of fun. I like balloons. Balloons, beautiful. I like beautiful, um, and then and then I've got a I've got a thing. This might be the only thing I ever invented, which was which is yeah. vibrating a snare drum head with a trombone mouthpiece. Oh yeah, yeah. That so you can say that that is I'm like you've pretty, not seen that or that's great. I've not seen that anywhere else. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Look in the corner if you can see it to the left of those weird things in the, in the on the shelf. Those are called CDs. But to the left of the CDs, kids. He's got, what do you call that? What is that? Oh, the, the ugly stick. The ugly stick. Yeah. Very nice joke. Very nice. <laughs> so, okay. Let's keep focus. Um, you, uh, you grew up in Guelph. I did. It's Donkey Day. It, we just celebrated Donkey Day in Guelph. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what was that like growing up in, in, in one of my favorite cities in the whole world? Would you agree that it's a beautiful place? Guelph was a great place. Yeah. yeah, it was a great place to grow up, and I'm and I'm uh, I'm kind of half back there because I'm teaching there. Yes, but um, I'm also glad that I don't live there. Okay. Um, okay. Interesting. I think I yeah. think that uh, no, like I'm I'm just I'm glad for the really glad for the community of people that I'm around right now, and I feel yep. like yeah, it's a little That's small. Good. It's a little small there. You know, it's you. There are. There are a handful of musicians, and you play with those musicians because those yeah. are those are the people around. So right, right. Um, yeah, and especially at the time, like I left Guelph in nineteen ninety six. Maybe you want to go back before that, but I left sure. Guelph in nineteen ninety six to okay. come to go to York, and I just kind of stayed in Toronto. And that's where. So you went to York, uh, did an undergrad at York in in music, like in fine music. arts. Okay. Who did you study with at York? Who Who were some of the 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 teachers you that you, that would have been around at York at that time? Yeah. So I started. At, Phil the, was that weirdo. Last... Phil, what was that weirdo's name? Phil, the guy on all the acid. Never mind. Go on. Go on. <laughs> I don't fine. know Phil. It's I fine. don't know in acid. Elec- Phil in the electronic music lab. No. Go on. I was a jazz guy, okay. right? So okay. Yes. Um, so John Giddens was finishing up his reign as like jazz theory god of Toronto, I think. Okay. okay. Um, he was about to retire. John Giddens. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Who was an amazing pianist and uh, really had thought through a sort of theory, like a jazz based theoretical model that was kind of the model that most so like if you listen to Lauren Lofsky and Barry Elms and Nell Henderson and all the kind of Whoa. the folks that went through that program a generation or two older than me. Yes. That's all John's theory, I think. So awesome. so John was there but then but then all those people were there teaching. So it was yeah, I was like in workshops with Don Thompson and and Alf Al Henderson and and Lauren Lofsky and uh, Phil Dwyer was there for a wow, bit. Wow. Casey Sokol was Casey there. Casey Sokol was there doing okay. all the foundation kind of things. Okay. Steve Otto was there. Oh, wow. Do you know wow. Steve Otto? That name's familiar. Why Steve would I know Otto his name? Steve Otto was this amazing guy. You would, lo- you would have loved Steve Otto. Talk about a wizard. Yeah. Um, he, the best story I can tell about Steve was we're doing, talking about the Overtone series. Okay. And he's like, this, is, this would be a typical thing. He's like, if you want to hear... Mm-hmm. The thirteenth partial. Love it. 
Get. Go to the go to the Stong building, which is like on the other end of the campus. Stong. Go down to the basement, and and there's there's if you if you can get into the room, you have to get into the room. Yeah. But there's a red door. If you can get into the red door, there's a there's a you know um, there's a furnace there. And if you put if you put your face on the floor, amazing, and your ear up against this one panel that's kind of pulled away. The thirteenth partial of the of the, the the furnace noise is the most intense thirteenth partial I've ever heard. Like this guy seriously had gone around the campus specifically in search of overtones and like and had a catalog of them in his head. And this he is could so direct beautiful. you. Like he he was insane. So well, let me just stop you there for a sec because I, I feel like the listeners, the kids at home folks so Right. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a stab at at the uh, at the overtones. Okay, the overtone what the overtone series. Sure. Okay, and it's gonna be wrong, so you're gonna have to just just interrupt me when you can. But it starts out with yo, okay, and then it goes yo yo. So every every sound when you fart, it's a collection of different frequencies all all kind of bundled there that you only get the <laughs> but that 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 sound is a complex kind of sandwich full of what Joe was referring to as all these all these overtones so the different right. the different frequencies that pile up to make that one sound yeah right right and let's not go over all what they all are but they go way up to 13 yeah, up to so the first inaudible. One, the first one is an octave higher than the root right yeah you know so this oh uh, the first one is an octave higher than the root the second one is a fifth above that and then it just keeps going and going and going so a scale like an, an eight note scale is the first eight partials of whatever root right there it is and you can all and, and and it's not and you know but then we get yeah. into what yes. equal temperament is oh, it's, and, a, it's and, a beautiful and, thing yeah, thank it's, you it's, thank it's you heavy. so this guy Otto first name Kent Steve Steve Otto <laughs> was 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 bonkers into that like he yeah. was into the sandwich totally he was into, into every it. layer he also the had he was also into like that's cool sonic healing like he believed that if you hurt, if you hurt your arm yeah he could like blast a certain pitch through your arm and that yeah. would like put it back in tune and stuff. do you believe in that Joe <laughs> I that sure I mean, you can cure constipation if you can cure constipation with a low rumble hair. It's like a twenty, what, two thousand hair. Can you do yeah. that? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can Have definitely you move a bowel. Um, no, but I mean, I've heard, I've heard, <laughs> okay. but I mean, it is a powerful thing, right? Like the sound cannon, yeah, yeah. all that. No, no, I think I don't that's know about possible. Healing. Believe in? I, I don't know, but yeah, sure. I mean, is it possible? Sure. I'm into aloe vera. Like, if I cut myself, <laughs> I'm not going to play Stravinsky. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're at York. You're, 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 did you go into the furnace room at Stong? Uh, did I? Probably. I did actually. It, I did go and try and find one of them, and I had no idea what he was talking about. Were like, you hungry? You were, were you like, what, what kind of student were you? Like in those early ER. I was, I was hungry, but I was also kind of frustrated. Like, so activity the, yes. maybe we can st- so this maybe goes back to to guelph proper right okay um so i started in i started working in a professional like working jazz band when i was in grade nine okay and it was uh it was a 15 piece band Holy and cow. a 10 piece band and a nine piece band and an eight piece band and then down to like a duo which was me and the leader 
And so I worked, like, I made more money in high school playing music than I think I ever have <laughs> as an adult. Sick. Because we Sick. were playing, like, during the school year, we were playing two and three gigs a week. And, and your parents the summer, were... it was mad. Your parents were loving it, feeding it? Parents were amazing, yeah. Cool. And, Great um, to hear. And the, uh, and the leader of the band was a dick. Awesome. <laughs> you know, awesome. so also my awesome. parents trusted me to, like, hold my own with this oh. older asshole so right? let's let's talk tactics let me pause it right there keep <laughs> yeah, yeah, the storyline yeah. going yeah the dick mm-hmm. whose name we're gonna censor <laughs> yes okay yeah we'll say it later when we get off the vr in five <laughs> in two minutes two minutes post time two minutes and for those of you in the vr land listen to the to podcast the monday after this okay you're gonna hear the name it's gonna be bleeped out oh these are distinct these things. are distinguished okay? okay so so now joe yeah the dick. <laughs> Did you learn a hell of a lot from him? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's yeah. something there, eh? Yeah. The dicks. You learn a shit ton from. Yeah. Like it's like this is not how I define music. To spite him, right? Like yeah. you're like. Yes. He's like you're no good, and I'm like, oh yeah. Well, right? I think and there the was a whole reason. crew of us who did. It's that. gotta be the yeah. same reason why you you would defy a parent. I kind of I disagree yeah. with that. I'm gonna go and mow lawns this Absolutely. summer or whatever the hell yeah. the decision is, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just to prove it. I disagree with that. It, it rubs me the wrong way. This is how I define music. What did he teach you, the dick? What were some of your takeaways? Oh, man. It was intense. Like, he, he, his thing was like playing, like, if you were playing a Duke Ellington piece, you played it, and it needed to feel like Duke Ellington. And then we'd shift to Count Basie, and it needed to feel like Count Basie. Okay. So, I mean, really, he taught me how to play drums, like, quite, quite literally. When I showed up in that band... You know, the first day he was like, okay, so you, you go ding, 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 ding on the cymbal and you play your hi-hat on two and four. Like, that was, that was my first, like, I had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and then it went from, like, how to lay back on the time and, it, and, and sort of play behind the beat a little bit and make it feel like Count Basie, how to be light and up on it and make it feel like Duke Ellington. Mm-hmm. And then, and we did that. So we did that kind of stuff. We played jazz standards in mm-hmm. very traditional ways. But then also, like, later on, we were like, uh, we were playing a, an hour, two hour long concert mm. with a book of Miles Davis charts on our stand. And mm. it was like, he'd just go around and shift charts. So you'd be playing like a, an older kind of beboppy thing. And then you'd have to make, he'd be like, okay, now we're going to improvise our way to something from Bitches Brew. And mm-hmm. we'd have to find it. So... So I learned how to do that. Okay. We also we played Inuit folk music in the style of Ornette Coleman. Okay. We so did all this crazy stuff. He sounds stuff. awesome. What makes him a dick? He was just a jerk. Like he, he was, was a jerk. A, he but, was abusive. But, he was, okay. Yeah, yeah. But musically, <laughs> but musically, you were doing a music, shit ton of yeah, cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh fuck! Does that link back to that really shitty movie called uh, Whiplash? Man, that yeah, absolutely. It. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but I mean, okay. Yeah, I had. You're punching I had, snars. I had. I had stuff thrown at me. Fisting <laughs> snars. Yes. No. Okay. No. 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 Never. Okay. okay. I had stuff. I had a watch thrown at me once. Oh you know? God, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I can relate to that, and I think it, it, it is something like you, you probably were at a very top, I think it probably did great things for you musically out of the fear. Yeah. Um, I, you know, and, and you learned also, a lot. Just like in spite of, like, you right. think I'm not good enough to do that? Okay, well, I'm going to up come. my game that little bit more. And, and, there was, and again, there was a crew of us, there was a bunch of us doing it. Um, some of whom are still good friends with me, you know, and, and, and a lot of whom still play music. You still keep really in touch with him? No, no, I saw him a few years ago. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, yeah, you really triggered something there. You're Italian, eh? Mm-hmm. Purebred? Or you, no, yeah, not okay. even a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Not even a little? Probably an eighth or something. Okay. Yeah. But what I was getting at there is the motivated by motivated by spite that's a nice italian tactic right there <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah, they're definitely you know inspired by wanting to prove wrong i think there's something there right it's really interesting hmm. hey who cares where you get the inspiration right we're driven yeah yeah okay yeah. uh goodbye at home you're ending this. yeah we're gonna end the the uh, vr session okay. tune in next week when the whole podcast is up goodbye Oh, I didn't realize we were making a mini one and then we were going to talk about nope. different stuff. We're, oh, we're still live. Still okay. It doesn't it that doesn't phase us at all. Okay. So Okay. So the 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 dick in Guelph and then and then you end up going to York, eh? Is right. that kind of how that So kind of what I was getting at was yeah. that I'd come from this musical background where learning about how to be a jazz musician essentially which is what I kind of feel like I was doing I was yeah. also playing in punk bands at that time I was also playing in concert bands at that time wow uh, I was like did you do a lot yeah. of high school music yeah okay tons. like okay. I, I ran a percussion ensemble at my high school hmm. I was the band president the counter band president you know in my last year you I was immersed, I, I was eh? a music geek absolutely 100%. wow um, wow so coming from that background, though, and then going to a school where I was like, okay, I'm going to learn, I'm going to get into it. Mm -hmm. And it was so conservative about what jazz was, mm -hmm. right? And York itself is not a conservative school at all because there's so much diverse stuff there. I think it's even better now. Mm -hmm. But like Casey Sokol was running an improv program. Wow. Um, I did I did a year with, with Trichy Sankaran doing oh, wow. South Indian music, wow. all this stuff. Wow. Um, but I kind of decided that jazz was the thing that brought me there, and that was the thing that I was most in love with, and that was the thing that I wanted to concentrate it on, right? So, mm -hmm. um, like, so the South Indian thing, I was like, that's a rabbit hole that's all-consuming. If I'm going to go down that path, yeah, I got to go down that path, and I wasn't ready to go down that path. So I kind of checked it out and then left it be. Okay. Um, but you know, like in my first year at York, I'd play, I'd play some like, yeah, like later day Miles Davis music for people uh -huh. where it was just rocking out and stuff. And, and it was like, this isn't, this isn't music. And those people was, what was hilarious was some of those people then came back three years later and played those records for me and were like, dude, this is crazy. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember in our second week when I put that on? Right. Yeah. Right. So. So, yeah, huh. so that was really interesting, um, but so much information at the same time, right? Tons and tons. Oscar Peterson was there at that time. Like I, Is that right? I got to hang out with Oscar Peterson and play music with Oscar Peterson a few times. Like, it, it, was, a, it was a great place to be. Wow, Joe. Yeah. Wow. Who did you... So, so f you did four years there, I take it? Or, or more? Or less? Um, um, I think I did five years Five there. years, yeah. York liked that five-year package. Yeah, there um, were like there were like three strikes while I was there, like m like oh, multiple oh, months. Oh, there's strike a, yeah, I remember that. I remember so that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me five years. <laughs> and when did um, when I want to uh, kind of walk th the listener through when pickle juice and other weirdo zorny kind of sure. When did all that kind of come into play? Did that come in while you were at York or no? After I was done. So uh, I was thinking about this because I'm not good at timelines Me and neither. years and stuff yeah make it so up so i went to banff okay in 2000 and in banff oh yeah in banff um it was it was it had been run by kenny werner okay and kenny was passing it on to dave douglas 
Whoa. So my first year there was it was hanging. It was like Kenny Werner, Dave Douglas, Joe Lovano, Jim Black were there. Oh wow! And just before that, uh-huh. uh, I was living on like in the annex, Bathurst and Bathurst and Bloor. Bloor. And there was a really great uh, used CD shop. Okay. On Bloor, near where the Transac is. Okay. And they were getting tons of amazing things that I bought because the the record covers looked really good. Winter and Winter was putting out these beautiful. Do you know about these? Yeah, yeah. These yeah, beautiful yeah, yeah. CD cases. Yeah. And so I just started buying these things and finding Tim Burn yes. and finding Paul Motion. Oh shit. And then through those people, yeah, finding Zorn. Mm-hmm. I'd kind of I I read about Anthony Braxton a little bit before I even heard Anthony Braxton. Yep. Um so I was kind of primed for this and then went to Banff and it just blew up. Wow. Because I got to hang out with those people I got to hang out with Dave Douglas got to hang out with Jim Black got to play with Joe Lovano a bunch wow, wow. Um, crazy and when I so when I came back yeah, yeah. Um, I had kind of checked out a whole bunch of music associated with those people okay and I was in this actually does get to how these bands started I love it I love um, it I was up at the HMV yep yeah uh, at Young and Dundas how when, much money were you spending on those CDs over oh there, man Joe? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah those are worth that. all of a dollar each yeah, now yes exactly yeah. but you um, you gave all of your <laughs> you, you know your soul to get them yeah but as in that HMV and I don't know if you know but there was a, a great guitar player called John Wilson who was around at that time and he was in charge of ordering stuff at oh, that HMV so yeah. there was a lot of really great music the one at that. Young and the big yeah. one yeah that was, that was that's great, funny because I was just talking place. to Michael Herring about that today but um Anyway, I saw this guy checking out Chris Speed records. Okay. And I was like, ah, weird. Nobody I know knows about Chris Speed. This is great. So, But it was Evan Shaw. Okay. And so, and Evan had actually been to, to NEC and like hung out with Chris and Jim Black and all these folks who were at NEC at the same time as him. So, What's NEC? That's, that's uh, the Banff? New England Conservatory. Oh, New England yeah, Conservatory. Evan had okay. done, I think, a master's degree at the New England Conservatory studying with like with uh, 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 what with Devin studied with Jimmy Jufri and and uh, and Joe Morris and 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 uh, hmm. all those folks. Wow, Joe Maneri. Okay. Um. So anyway, m- I met Evan, and through Evan, I met Ken Aldcroft at the HMV. That kind of sparked yeah. it. That's so great. And uh, that's this, so great. Around the same time, I met Peter Van Huffel. Uh, so I started a band called that I eventually called Pickle Juice. Orchestra. It wasn't called the orchestra. It was called the Pickle Juice Ensemble. Great, of course. Um, Had to grow. And it was I me love that and name. Evan and yeah. Peter. It sometimes had Sharantha Bedegay in it, who's a baritone saxophone player. Wow. It had Nathan Hiltz in it. Yeah, yeah, wow. wow and wow, eventually wow. Ken. So it became this like two guitars, two saxophones, drums group at some point. And then... When I went on, when I wanted to do large ensemble stuff, because Ken and I started the, we started to do, well, I'm, I'm getting the timeline off. Yeah, yeah. Around the same time, Ken and I, who hit it off really quick, it was yeah. Ken and Evan and I were really like, really good friends really quick. Okay. And Ken and I started um, the Leftover Daylight series. Here we go. He's walking us through it. And there so it is. When we did the Leftover Daylight series, because I had just done Cobra in Banff. The second time I went, 
so I skipped a few years there. You had done Cobra? Like you had I studied Cobra in Banff with Dylan ah. Vanderschiff, who had just done it with Zorn in Victoriaville or something okay. like that. Okay, and cool. so Great. I came back and was like, Okay, we gotta do this thing. And so we were doing Cobra like I think every other week. Um, oh man! And the large ensemble that was doing that eventually became the Pickle Juice Orchestra because then I was like, oh, what if we did some of my music? But that was a band. That was a that was a massive band that was yeah. doing Cobra constantly. Yeah. And uh, and that was like Melissa Stiliano was in that. Group. Oh wow, man! Uh, Don Scott, Michael Herring, yeah. Rob Clutton, yeah. Rob Mosher. Yeah. Yes. Um, All great players. Nick Fraser was there. Scott Thompson. Ken was there. Scott Thompson yeah. was yeah. there. Yeah. And I'm gonna miss a whole bunch yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Born, it's okay. It was a huge group of people who, who like, yeah, we kind of dug into it. Then that was like 2003. I yes. Think. 2002, maybe even. Oh man, that was yeah. that was a rich time. I remember it. I I but I was on the periphery then. I I only knew of it going on and was admiring from afar and the idea of like this Zorn thing, the, the Cobra, like we've spoken a lot about yeah. this and I think it's worth touching on a little sure. bit. The the game piece, the, the treating music from a completely different way I've ever seen it. And, and for the first, I'd say four times, I've seen you do workshops, Joe. I've, I'd gone to wherever it was <laughs> from Guelph to, I, right. I, I remember seeing you do it a few times and always being a non-believer, just going, I didn't study all, how to read music all these years to throw it out and, and, and do this and, right. and learn a new set of rules. I think my, my first resistance to the Zorn Cobra mm-hmm. was that. A new set of rules. A right. new set of rules? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck that. And then I saw it done one year recently, the past maybe three years. Okay. I saw you bring it to life with players who had it like a language, like, like, like their back pocket. Um, and boy, did it show me worlds in mu- music making that couldn't be tapped into through standard, so. standard notation. I think so, yeah. So um, so the spiel I always give when I'm starting to teach that, I, I've taught that a bunch. Yeah. And, I'm learn- and I'm currently learning a lot more about it. Um, okay. Dan Penser is sort of back in Toronto I don't know if you know Dan, no. but he he was also at NEC, and um, NEC has a Cobra ensemble that oh, Anthony neat. Coleman runs. So neat it's literally enough. like a class that you take for a couple semesters or whatever. That's fun. And he had done that, and 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 so yeah, he's like he's into it in a way that I haven't even got into it because I've always thought of what it as a kind of learning environment, a community building environment, and Dan's like got me thinking about it a little bit more with a little bit more rigor say okay um what do you what do you mean by that like because you've heard me call it dungeons and dragons for musicians and i love that yeah um, what wh- what do you mean by a little more rigor what would you what are you doing just playing it a little more or what or playing t- it a little bit more and taking the like just making it like it's gotta be you gotta nail it right okay. so so um, hmm. I'm, tr- I'm thinking about somebody listening to this. So Cobra happens where I have got these cards, like a prompter. Yes. What's called a prompter or maybe a conductor, if that's an easy way to think about it, has these cards. And these cards affect changes in a band, right? Yeah. But they, they make changes on a dime. So there's a sound thing that's happening, and then a card goes down, and it's something completely else. And it has to happen right 
quick, right? Yeah. And I've always kind of gone like, yeah, it's got to happen right quick. But do, do we nail that every time? No, but You're a little it's more kind of about... Okay. To me, this is about a bunch of people learning about music. Yeah. And um, again, it was a community building thing. It's about inviting people in and, 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 uh, and developing a kind of improvised music language that you maybe don't have. Right. It kind of forces you to improvise in ways that you didn't think you could or, you know, never considered before. Right, right, right. Um, whereas, yeah, whereas I'm kind of shifting into, like, this is a piece that somebody developed and, and essentially wrote and made, and we have to do that piece of service by playing the crap out of it. That's right? really cool. So That's so really cool. I'm kind of shifting. Not that it's not a community-building exercise. Not no. that there's not a lot to learn there, but if you're going to learn it, you may as well really right. nail yeah. it okay great yeah. that's awesome yeah. that, it's so refreshing to hear that how many years have you been doing Cobra you, you're you you're one of the guys yeah, in like the 10, city 10 12 maybe even more yeah and, and you have a newfound perspective that's cool yeah yeah in terms of my approach to it because the other thing is that I often get talked to about Cobra and it's like yeah, but that's not my music. Like mm-hmm. I have, mm-hmm. I have a music. I have, mm-hmm. I have music that I write and 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 perform and stuff like that. So, the other side of it was kind of distancing. Like I was using it as not this thing that I believed in as a, right, as my music, but as like how I how I had used it was to learn about stuff like that. Cobra really provided an improvising language for. A bunch of people, right? If yeah. there's a if there's yeah. a improvised community, music community, a lot of it is because we kind of dug in at that time and found this stuff together. You know, and this, I, I think, anyway. And this this community is known to in Toronto as AIM Toronto. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what it's formally or what what does it go by these days? What what do we? There's no. There's no. I don't there's think no. there's a thing. Yeah. No. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Look at this. I wish we had had the uh, the VR on for this. There's a little <laughs> bit of getting along in the living room. Um. <laughs> Okay, Joe. So you, you, but I, you know, what was interesting that, that I just picked up on is the idea of, and I've, and I've had this, uh, I guess, a little bit myself with the Murray Schaefer. Like, I, I love Murray Schaefer's work, but mm-hmm. I ain't no, I mean, you, you, when I think of what you do, I, I know, I know the Zorn Cobra is a, is a, is a, is a piece in it, right? It's not, but it's not like you're, like, like some people go down that career path of, I'm the Zorn Cobra guy. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, like that's, sure. but that's not that like it's, it's much more than that. Right. This is a piece of what you do. Right. Is that how you? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's it. And, and again, like I've always thought about it as a, as a te- as a kind of way to teach. Right. Right. That's right. It's kind of a, a part of a teaching methodology. Right. Right. Um, that's good. So yeah, so a bunch of us got into and and aim the aim Toronto you spoke about. Yeah. So aim Toronto started because around the same time, like two thousand and three. Okay. So a little bit after, uh, Ken and I were doing that series, and then Dylan. Oh, that's why Cobra happened ah. because Dylan. I had done Cobra with Dylan. Okay. In Banff, and Dylan was going to come to Toronto. And we said, okay, why don't you come and play some concerts, but with local musicians? Okay. And one of the things we did was play Cobra with him prompting. And then after that, we continued it on. So, okay. Interesting. So that was the beginning of, that was the beginning. We called it an interface. So we started this thing called the interface series, which then took off. And we started to invite guests to play with local musicians a couple times a year for the better part of six or seven years. 
Where did that come from? That whole series thing. Like I, I never did that. Where did that come from? Who the hell? That doesn't just happen. Ken? <laughs> Ken, 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 one Ken, of the hardest Ken working like a, men yeah. in, uh, in, in, in avant-garde music. Yeah? Absolutely. Ken yeah. Aldcroft is a force of nature. And yeah. one of the things, one of the first things he did, even before I met him, was he was trying to run series. He's like, there need to be series where like, <laughs> That's cool. you go every Friday and yes. there's a certain community playing music at this place every it, Friday. It's church. Or whatever it might it's be. It's church. Yeah. Yeah, good. And, um, and he had tried a bunch of places and Leftover Daylight at the Erase Base, uh-huh. um, the old array space on Atlantic yes. Avenue sure. was, um, yeah, it was like, I think it was a bi-weekly thing for a while and then we shifted and it was every week. Is that bi-weekly would be at semi-monthly? Week. Yeah. Every Is that other the week. the same? Every other week. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tactics at home. So bi-weekly, <laughs> if you're going to start your own series, and I urge you to go, just go out there and start your own series, right? Like that's a good thing to do. Yeah. You know? Because again, it sort of, and there were nights when there was nobody there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But... It it was generative of activity, yeah. you know. People had a place to play their music and stuff. And and basically, what Scott Thompson eventually started with somewhere there was like that, but every night. Somewhere there was a, a very a, a beautiful venue that Scott Thompson, uh, musician uh, and 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 strange man, <laughs> love him, uh, dar friend, started. Uh, in the city of Toronto, something I'd never seen before and don't think you'll see much of in, in, in music, a venue for musicians, by musicians, right? I mean, yeah. just very free, like, no bullshit. And definitely started out of, I think, not having spoken to Scott fully on that one, right? W- why would he start that? Out of being a little bit fed up with having to just, like, like, like fuck this, we need our own space kind of yeah. uh, approach, right? Yeah, yeah. And shows every night, right? Yeah, there were shows almost like, every what a night, six, or if not six seven time. days a week. And he, I mean, and he has a he has a count. There's a web. He has a web page, but there's a count. Right, it's like right. so many thousands of shows over the course of a couple of years oh, and stuff. God. Um, Do you feel that that was a time like should we have should we have relished a little more in that moment? Like I, I you feel like you almost took it for granted in a way. I don't know. I, yeah, I miss no, it. There but, was so much activity. There yeah. was so much activity. Yeah, and. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like I was playing constantly in mm-hmm. lots of different situations, and mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. No, Scott did. I mean, that was that was an amazing thing. Just people had somewhere to focus. They were like, because I think if you think, it was superhuman. Talk about industry tactics, right? Go ahead. If uh, if if I'm thinking of a music, yeah. In order to like conceive of an idea compose the idea or find a way to bring that idea into the world get some friends or some like some other musicians to work on that music with me that idea with me yeah and then i want to present it to people yeah if from the very first moment it it, i realized that nobody's ever gonna like have that music played in their venue yes why would i make that music right I mean, I know why I would make that music, but yes, I what Scott okay. provided was right. I could make it at some, I could play it somewhere there. And oh, so yes, shining right. a spotlight on the on the risk taking. Yeah, yeah. So and not only that, but it was a place where you could be like, I have this idea, I'm gonna get a group together and do a couple of rehearsals, and we're gonna present it for this community of musicians who are interested in these kinds of ideas. And so it was even it was kind of a workshopy kind of space too. It wasn't. Because it wasn't a formal venue, mm-hmm. in a, in a mm-hmm. way, it was mm-hmm. kind of, 
it was like half community center, half venue almost. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a place to experiment and a place to workshop at the same time. And Did it generated so many, so many bands that exist still started because they played together at somewhere there and continued on being a band, you know? Do you have any yeah. recordings from that time? Yeah, I mean, I did I did a, a trio record with Evan Parker okay. and Wes Neal okay. that was recorded at that old venue. Um, I did... Uh, Here it is now. My, my group, Other Foot First, recorded a bunch of some stuff there. Um, we didn't make a record there, but we made a record down the street. I'm actually about to put it out. It's been sitting there for a long time. But we, Canterbury was down the street. Aha. Uh-huh. So there was also this thing where, like, right. you could record right. at Canterbury, which was a couple doors south of that place. Uh. Um, but, yeah, like, you were working on your music at somewhere there, and then you recorded a few doors south at Oh, Canterbury. that's cool. It was a really nice... That's a know. nice... It's all about space, eh? Yeah. Um, here it comes now. We're going to play um, Joe... Wes Neal and, and Evan Parker. And Evan Parker. Yeah, sure. What's the tune we're going to play? Um, it's it's one piece of music. Uh, we recorded it in 2007 at an interface series that AIM Toronto did at Somewhere There. It's, so the record is called At Somewhere There. Here it comes now.
so there there it was that was an excerpt from 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 at somewhere there which was a, a trio improvisation uh featuring the 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 amazing uh evan parker who yeah. um you know kind of invented this music right ah, interesting in a lot of ways yeah um, yeah wow joe yeah that was a trip joe it has been a trip and you're a you're, you, I want to touch on a little bit of your your beauty, if you don't mind me focusing and <laughs> narrowing in on that, because it's fascinating to me. Like, maybe we'll go back a little bit to the dick for just a quick sec, because sure. you don't run it like a dick, right? You've you've managed to build many musical families. You've gone on and done a master's at Guelph and, and yeah. finished it at Guelph in in English. In yeah, it's an English master's degree. But through those weirdos in Guelph, completely steeped in music. Let's exactly. call it what yeah, it yeah. is. No, no. Yeah. no, no. I made a film. Yeah. I made yeah. a film in, in interviewing improvisers in Toronto. And then kind of uh, made a thesis that was sort of outlining how I think about free improvisation. Okay. Yeah. F- fantastic, man. Um, I feel... I feel blessed to know you, you know, not to sound too yeah, much like a, not, not to sound too Christian, but I really <laughs> feel, you know, since I saw that first Zerbert on, on the floor, Tom, playing with, we've played, uh, yeah. we've made a lot of messes together on stage, and mm-hmm. I've always felt um, where some people may not get or believe in, in, in what you do, you're very good at, at um, I feel it, it's, there, there's such a genuine thing coming out of you you know it's like you're i don't know thank you but and what i want to say is do you have you ever burned a bridge you must have it seems like i don't know have i ever ever burned a bridge bridge? like a little tactic i've screwed up and lost a gig okay okay um but that's different through i think lack of understanding what was required in that situation musically right i've ever burned a bridge no probably not your musical family's got to subsequently be really big and you've got a lot of friends eh? people like when i say joe sorbera people smile people like <laughs> joe sorbera oh wow yeah come great. on great it has to be when, when i introduced you in the introduction of this podcast you're a nice guy <laughs> yeah come on thank you I hope so. You really I think are. No sense. So, so I mean, if you want to get back to the dick, like, why do you want to be that guy? I don't. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's. I. But here's here is a thing. I don't. But you want to push it like you did musically. So I get why the dicks exist. I right. really do. Right. No, no, for sure. It's just that there's a way to do that. Yeah. Um. It's there's a way to do that without being an asshole, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you, so maybe something that more people can relate to like that whiplash film that you brought up yeah that that was a piece of shit um that's not what music is about in any way shape or form right yeah that kind of that was about that guy that was about that teacher and and the problem with the film was that it came out as this like it was a jazz movie it was not a jazz movie it was like that was like rocky right yes yes that was a sports movie okay right okay um I know, I only saw the trailer, but yes. And uh, and and drummers will tell you like the kind of stuff that that kid was going through yeah, to make it look like a sport. 
Yeah, like, yeah. That's not how you do it. Like that's, that's not, not how you do play it. the. That's not right. how you play. That's physically not how you do it. But right. also, that's not why you do it. Right? You ever felt like whenever music gets competition, like like with you know anything like a Kiwan, I those Kiwanis festivals really drove it home for me. Like this is not sport. Right. This is not Olympics. Right. What is? Why do you? Why do you music? It ain't because of that, right? Uh, but why do you? Like what, why do I? Yeah. What are the joys that it brings? I mean, oh uh, man. I mean. I have a few different answers. My 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 sort of quickest answer is that I can't not. <laughs> like you're you're incapable like, of putting it away and just living normal. If a week goes by and I haven't played, yep. you don't want to be around me. Kids. I'm not a nice guy. I mean, anymore. you've seen it here on the virtual reality gizmo. Um, he's got. The family's away. He runs a five-piece uh, quintet here, <laughs> along with Jill uh, and the kids. But the family is away right now, and he has a, a drum set set up in every room of the house. <laughs> yes, so absolutely. it's a little bit chronic and weird and awesome. <laughs> and his hair it matches, right? So, so that's a picture, and I love it. That's a great answer. That you can't not do it. No, right? really, I'm. I'm oh, a I understand. Grump. That. It's how it's. You're it's a how grump. I think. Yes. It's always. It's been mental health. It's part of how I think. It's part of how I process. If I'm not making music physically mm-hmm. i'm doing it in my head mm-hmm. i mean jill knows i'm sure this happens to you right there are sometimes you're having a conversation with somebody and you're actually composing something in your brain at the same time right uh, this entire podcast <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding of course and and sometimes right and and like part of how you know that you found the right person right talk about talk yeah. about like yeah is like there goes tactics, joe again yeah there goes right? joe again yeah like right a good partner is like you 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 need a few minutes like you know what we're gonna chill or they're gonna recognize that on the side of your brain and be able to have a conversation knowing that your brain's also doing this other thing right this is the biggest tactic of all that we have not shone a light on and we're gonna do it right now okay the the idea of joe sorbera doesn't happen by accident joe sorbera's parents fed that your parents fed that shit early man yeah do you know why? why this is a cool story why um because my mom and dad went to uh, uh, a fortune teller. Here we go. Italian I was tactics. Born. Okay, and there were it was hair in the pillow. And they were told yep. to support my music. Fuck me. From a fortune teller. Okay. So, and I don't know how much they believed in that stuff. That's and crazy. I, I didn't grow up super musical. Like that's the other weird thing is I didn't grow up super musical. But um, once I started to get into it. I recognized that they were like, they were just going to support whatever I, whatever, wherever I kind of went. Right? Do you have strange, like a strange tattoo of like, uh, <laughs> like a drum, a drum? No, I have no tattoos. On your, like, that came before birth? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I okay, it's okay. The voodoo. No. Uh, okay. But that's, that's a heavy thing. Up. So they, they were like, they were, they were amazingly supportive. Like I started playing, yep. started playing drums in grade seven because yep. it was like a thing that you did in, in school, right? Yep. There was a band class. Right. Um, and Grade uh, seven, you're what? How old are you at that age then? Grade seven is... Twelve? Uh, yeah, you're about twelve. 11 or 12. A young Joe Sorbera. Um, I started playing clarinet. I sucked at it. I switched to drums. And yeah. like in grade eight, I got a drum set for Christmas. Like that, my, that's amazing, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so they were, they were super supportive. Right? And, then, and, then you, and then you cut to the idea of, of Jill, your partner, who, who gets all those quirks, who understands that, that, yeah, you're, that you're grumpy, that the whole thing, right? If you're, if you're not churning out the music and just like, it is part of a, 
it's a really interesting thing and i imagine it's got to be a, a challenge too right like on an obvious challenge totally uh, for, for partners but but that is a and really then the other side thing. of that though yeah is that when you find somebody who's supportive of that stuff that you've got to support what they're into too right so yeah. the other side yes. of that is i worked well i worked a nine to five day job for 11 years and you know yeah help jill go through midwifery school and right. And, you know, I'm essentially a house husband now. Yeah. I like, yeah. you know, I'm here yeah. looking after kids and whatever. Yeah. Um, I do most of the cooking, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So because she has a job that's talk about an insane job. Like, yeah. She, her she's job a is midwife. Nuts. She's a midwife. Um, so, yeah. So you also, you also support, you also give it back. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Right. So the obsession can't be like, Selfish. You know, my obsession with music can't be it. If gotcha. it was, I'm sure she wouldn't be around. Gotcha. I would hope, that's I would well hope put. so. That's well right? put. That's so well that's put. the other side of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And without music, you'd be normal. But, <laughs> Maybe. But fuck, would it suck, right? I, I've thought that a lot. I mean... Uh, Maybe, or I'd probably be addicted to something way more harmful. Ah, right. You know? Right. Like the 13th uh, differential. Right? yeah maybe yeah yeah you may go down that sandwich wormhole let's let's play some more music what um what have you been working on lately do you have a recording that we can share sure so i'm about to put out a record um with that's uh it's called the imperative okay it's with jay hay and karen ng both playing tenor saxophones exciting and me playing drums and uh i wrote so to give you some background i wrote it's an 11 piece suite Okay. Uh, in tribute to Sun Ra. Right on. And uh, I wrote it at the same time that I was writing the Wire Cutter Suite, which was a 14-piece suite in tribute to Charles Mingus. And that was something that I was commissioned to do by Ken Aldcroft for the Convergence Ensemble. You love those guys, Sun Ra and Chucky Mingus? Come yeah. on, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the good stuff. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we can talk about Mingus yes. and whole other thing. But, we should. But if you want to play some, some, uh, some of the imperative... Um, yeah, I, I, I got really into Sun Ra's poetry or poetry and prose when I was doing my master's degree. Okay. And so this was written after one of his poems. Uh, oh, wow. And so... Wow. Um, so it's a Sun Ra poem set your, to your music. It's a Sun Ra poem called The Imperative okay. that I used as a way to write the music. So yeah. every line of every line kind of provided a vibe. I talk about okay. an emotional architecture. There's kind of like a... Yeah. There's a vibe to each line or each couple lines of the poem, and I sort of matched a, a piece of music up with that. So it his poem kind of, yeah, it sort of st structured a set of, of compositions that make up a record. And we're going to play one piece from it? Yeah. Here comes now the imperative.
for sharing your music with the podcast yeah um and when is that coming out that's coming out as soon as i can get it i've got the okay, records already shit. mastered mixed mastered ready to go okay um my friend, tactics my good friend jen boltois who has a great um a great uh, uh toy company called fadoodle uh is making toy making, company yeah Let's... she's making she's a really great um she makes sketches that are just extraordinary and she's doing the cover art okay so she's drawing she's drawing a sketch of me as a little kid uh-huh. as like a sunra super fan little oh. kid is that uh, for real for the cover yeah i mean no i didn't know about sunra as a little kid but yeah. um yeah i gave her pictures of my kids at awesome. around three and oh. she's kind of making this thing so um so That's the cover so art's being made and also i got another friend to come in karen suzuki who mm-hmm. came in and filmed the recording session great and so we're putting like an epk thing together okay and actually the the epk and the album art are taking way longer than it is than, e- than EPK, the record epk kids at home is uh, the electronic press kit and yes. that's that's what we do to you see when he said when he meant when when joe Barra, jo- joey james mentioned uh <laughs> toys i thought for a second there he was gonna he's, he was gonna var right off the road and and he's gonna be releasing toys instead of music thankfully he's right <laughs> back on the narrow he's doing the he's releasing the music but the epk is the video yeah. It's going to be a video couplet. Yeah. So, so the music's been done for some time. Yeah. But what he's been doing now is what we in the industry called sitting on the material. He's got he's <laughs> developing assets around the release. Right? Does that frustrate you that you can't just fucking share the music? You got to build the assets. You're growing your ass. It's at. good. This is a new stage for me of tactics. like doing this stuff and trying to do it properly. Right? Industry so, tactics. Yeah, so okay. So when you share it, you share it. But that 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 tune. Thank you for sharing it. With, it should with be the kids out. Now. It should be out before Christmas. Yeah. That's, good. That's good. Good. Yeah. Um, wow, Joe. I wanted to ask you. We uh, we were touching on it earlier. The idea of why you music. Mm-hmm. Who were some of those influential souls, like the Chucky e. Mingus or the Sun Ra, that got right. you that, that 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 knocked you on your ass? So. Um, so, early on, I talked about not being super musical growing up, but um, I freaked out. I oh, sounded nice. Yeah. I freaked out as a. Yeah, yeah, Boring yeah, the fizzy water yeah, music. Yeah, the That's good. Music. I freaked out as a little kid, as a, like a three-year-old kid. Okay. On a Billy Joel record Ooh. called Glass Houses. 
Okay. That I still have and I still love. And it's because the drumming on that record is intense. It's hmm. Billy Joel trying to take on a kind of Elvis Costello vibe. Okay. Um, for a lot of the record. But the the drummer is this guy called Liberty DeVito. And mm. he did some stuff on that record that's just so heavy. Mm. Um, uh, so And apparently wow. I told my dad as a kid that I when I grew up I wanted to be a drummer just like Billy Joel. Neat. Um, but that said, that's kind of the, the musical story of my childhood. Like I wasn't super into it until I started playing right yeah and just after i started playing my dad started to go oh he's a musician and and so huh. i'm gonna show him some stuff and my dad played the first jazz record my dad played me was miles davis's in a silent way record mm. which is the weirdest jazz record for to be somebody's first jazz record <laughs> but the opening strains of this is just like this was the beginning of miles's electric period and oh, wow. so it, it was like all these analog piano like digital uh, not digital analog electric pianos yeah. Wurlitzers and yeah. b3s and blah 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 um and it was this thing i can hear it i can hear it in my head these sort of uh like Wurlitzer chords bass going yeah. over and over and over again and just this shifting hi-hat thing of yeah. Just went yeah. kind of forever yeah and i so i freaked out on miles davis in in junior high school awesome uh, and you're playing by then? You're just started playing okay. and and hearing this music and going, whoa. Um, and so I got really into it really fast. At that time, my dad and I were also really into Sting. Okay. I have a big Sting thing. Okay. Um, and then from there, quickly started to eat up like, I freaked oh. out on Public Enemy Wow. at wow. the same time. Wow. Yeah. Then started to play in this in this working group in grade nine. Uh -huh. So I was playing. Uh, I mean, I was learning about there all you were the jazz all. music. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And yeah. at the same time, my friends, like my, fr I, I was a, I was a drummer who actually had a bit of facility because I'd been working so hard at it. So I was playing in punk bands with my friends. Listen to this musical so, diet. It's awesome. And so listening to like. Uh, like ska music, like Operation Ivy and stuff. Okay. And then also, yeah, Guelph at that time had some stuff going on. There was like a, under, there was a kind of punk alt rock scene there, right? So yeah. there were lots of local bands that were freaking me out. And we were going to shows with like, like all concerts and Descendants concerts and Fugazi concerts and stuff like that. My uncle awesome. also had bought me a, a an iced tea cassette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was like... Yeah. To freak out my grandma, mostly, uh -huh, I think. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But, um, but you I were into of, all like, of it. You were into all of it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. There was a, there was a hunger, too. Like, in, I remember in grade 9 or 10, I was like, I want to hear... I don't, I don't have enough distorted guitar in my life. Okay, okay. <laughs> I remember going to a friend and being like, look, I need some, I need some music that's current. Because I was listening to... I was wandering around listening to Public Enemy, Frank yeah. Zappa, yeah. and Miles Davis. Okay. And, like... Janet awesome. Jackson. Okay. Probably. Why not? Why not? Um, I love it. I love the the fact that you're giving us all of it. Yeah. And and uh, and I went like I need to hear like what are you listening to and 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 so she so I remember her, she she hooked me up with kind of stuff that was more current and more yeah just you know whatever what kids listen to when, I, I, when they're in grade nine and isn't 10. that fascinating that curiosity that curiosity yeah. and just getting I think we all that's the one thing we all share is that. Getting addicted to to music and like really yeah. flipping out and really flipping out though and 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 going, the difference I think between maybe music 
well, I think we're all musicians, but musicians that really get into it and, and want to do it for the rest of their lives is, I need to, I need to try to, it, 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 it's the, the creative inspiration, right? Of like, yeah. I want to, I want to do that. How does I want to do work? that. How, how does that work? Yeah. And, so and great. particularly among like weirdos like us, like, I think, I also think this is something that I came up with in, in, in my MA studies was like, yeah. you know, there's an impulse when you hear something that you don't quite get. Yeah. Some of us go, I don't understand it at all. Amazing. I love this. And some of, some of us go, I don't oh, understand I that. that. Yeah, yeah, Ugh, yeah. It must be bad. Right, 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 um, right. right. This, and so hearing something that you don't get, hearing yeah. something that you don't understand, hearing something that's not sort of very obvious to your ear that doesn't kind of make sense, to me, I'm like, yes, give me some more of that, right? <laughs> right. Um, right. I don't get it at all. Yay. I love that spirit. Um, yeah, sure. But yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. And so in terms of inspiration, if you want to finish that off. Yeah, please. Um, go, go, go the distance. Because we talked about Mingus a few times. So Mingus was somebody that I learned a bunch about. You know, as I was saying in that in that band I played with in high school, mm-hmm. um, Ellington had to be Ellington sounding. Basie had to be Basie sounding. Mingus had to be Mingus sounding. Okay. And so we dug into a bunch of Mingus's music at that time. And that was some of the only stuff that I like bought and spent a bunch of time listening to. Okay. And what I loved about Mingus's music was that he was kind of working with what sounded to me like he was giving improvisers obstacle courses to play through, Mm -hmm. to work through. Mm -hmm. So it was like, here you are, this is a group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of you, like uh, some of you are going to be the people who provide this obstacle course, this series of obstacles that this soloist is going to have to jump through. Awesome. That's a great a, way to Right. As a it, process. Yeah. First, this thing is going to happen. Then this thing is going to happen. This thing is going to happen. And they have to keep playing. Mm. They have to make their way through. But you're going to kind of throw all these problems in their way. Fun. And then we're going to start it again. And the next person's going to run the course. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it took sort of like, like the typical obstacle course of jazz standards, which is a series of changes. Yeah, what we call a head. Right. Or the chords that go along with that head. Yeah. As as the obstacle course of what a soloist goes through. Right. And Mingus added, and this is what I eventually fell in love with about Anthony Braxton, is he took this to a whole other level. But awesome. Mingus added a series of like rhythmic, uh, groove-based mm-hmm. or... Or, uh, yeah, just sort of different material that would happen, not just changes, but rhythmic stuff. Yeah. Things that people had to play and then things that, that soloists had to deal with, right? Okay. Instead of just a drummer playing ding, 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 ding. Keeping ding, it up, charging along. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. And a yeah. piano player playing chords around it. Yeah. There was other stuff. There was a bunch of rhythmic stuff that would kind of trip you up. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so exciting. So music is like... Uh, writing, composing music for improvisers being like basically this process of setting up obstacle courses for them to work through. I love the obstacle music concept. Yeah. And yeah. so this is this is a big part of what I do, right? Awesome. Yeah. And 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 do you have an excerpt from the um, from the Mingus work that you did that we can play? Maybe. Yeah. I'll yeah. have to talk okay. to Ken. Okay. Um, but yeah. So that's the other thing is that November we're touring that. It's called the Wirecutter Suite, and right. Ken Aldcroft's Convergence Ensemble will be on tour in November, okay. releasing that record. For Fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you. Um, um, I if I if we had more time. 
I dip into the beauty that is your your grandfather, the boxer. Yeah, yeah. You, you, your grandfather's a boxer. Yeah, I'll show you the picture when we're done. All right, Joe. Uh, we love you, and we thank you for letting us into your home. Thank you, and uh, and I'll just say that this podcast is amazing, and thank you for doing it. Thank you for putting in the work and putting in the time, and uh, finding the weirdos. You've done a lot of work befriending the weirdos and making them a part of your family for a lot of years. And so, uh, yeah, you're doing good work. Shisharm, thank you. Yeah. Bye, Joe. I'd like to thank Joe Sorbera again for that wonderful interview and and opening up uh, his story to us. And um, once again, to all of my friends uh, who are mourning the loss of Ken Aldcroft, um, my heart goes out to each of you. And we're going to end with with this piece from... uh, the Con- Convergence Ensemble featuring Ken on guitar. This is Joe Sobera's Wire Cutter Suite. Um, and I do hope somehow that we can continue to share that music in November. I know there was a tour planned, and my love goes out to uh, to the family of, of Ken Aldcroft and everybody affected from this loss. Uh, goodbye, friends. Love to all, and, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.